Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness. So this is the first thing that we have to do with our Marionicus and Hirna. Could you again? Now, you sweet me grass and all the mach. I will as <laughs> Nýðinni 
Ik 
Kaatan khumakkuh Echen fonev Echenukadim Edanam Egus kaatan khumakkuh Voifri Echenukadim Echenukadim Egus hattas Tridi khele markumi Echon nanam hamasin khumal Ahkeen Egus hattani kosh Nananam Tadrishin Walwa fisek petrishin Zwaar prasnuchu Waas kliwe khantani vanshoa Es han vi prasnach vi nejtjen hier gwan. Kohitje. Se sjoen is nie. Ka, ka, ka vel sjoen die keur. Gaan ma sashen kemisho kainagal. Eth nie sonretje. Kemigat kainagal hakeraad hasagru eth ne pedier ne laure gedeen. Lesh ne fahie of neuwe. Pedier ne gaie lavertle ne fahie. Erse diest pedier ne gaie lavert Eder nanyanyu. Nisha katan halishin talistata ekishin. Nrasta. Shaldusu. Nohoyas vil nunya hanushol avart. Nuterus ha talesu gahin. Nudahal avart. Pudir nukhail avart lishnifahin. Pudir nukhail avart. Eder nanyanyu. Waar mag ik me graag in de teunje kasserwaar schrijven? Hij mis je dan maar goed in. Er is goed te gaan in elle. Mag ik me gaan in een glas. In een nieuwe level. Die vaagje nieuwige. Een goede magjons in de uur. Ik ging zo'n vieren te gaan. Shinya-Akra-Agasakinshu-Kateen-Hutar-Sahayke-Abstolon-Inhyurne-Agasan-Lanier-Shinya-Abstolon-Inhyurne-Agasan-Lanier-Agnishu- Kete ni van shawwe de lawerd. Weylan of haakkel waasho. Maar goed om jas en allemaal. Gewil. Wa. Moor. Et gashig het teunje. Eges kere. In ni sonretje. A hat jano. Wa hansen. Na wa gomor. Se ha. Se visa. Gewil. Kuspad aan de hadijag. Ergens gaan je vaag. Ergens gaan je abstel. Ergens gaan je aijl voor neef. Koele hadijag. Ha. In jorden. Heen die jag. In jorden heen die jag. Jeens ne vaagien. Shall the salaman hear salam hegin? Salamat as Anshin couldn't hear clue ye Nisher Hafashke three meal a billion for high and salam of Anshin's grieve three meal a billion. Oh, second horse. Shenyaraf mi hedad en halamata. 
taal gattel naar die toestuur. Na maar houdt al een deur voor laag of laag. Samenhoud maar toen je een gangvond in een gattel. Na een schalletje stogen, die toen je gangvond in maar af. Na geeft je ogen. Als een vrees niet, had hij aangegooid. Dus je wilt de grond, zeg je wilt grond, roet. Maar na gelijkhalen, ga je het goed uit te willen houden. Dat is een nacht in je handen gaat. Nacht in je handen maar. Jeensje heen. Jeensje hapstelen maar. Petten dan zo graag. Eders nanen je. Apstelen. Ertjeunen. Eders laan je er je zo kreeg. Oh, het richtige gezien spaalt zo. 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 Het richtige gezien Hak maken. Ergens kun je Ergens kun je niet maar harder dus in de middel. Aan een vrieste troost. Ergens negatieve natuurlijk niet spijt. Ergens een aker. Heet je te een hoge jurnus naar. Daar ga je. Jurnus naar hapstelletje naar vrienden. Ergens aan hier in je kindje gaan, maar af hier is eindelijk nee wat in. Eerder jaar af niet, gaan we zien. Rakkeinigd, nega eerder. Ergens onder de wagen vaak al is het al zoers. Kan je kunnen hesties er zijn vroeger, ze zijn zijn voor die slogen hier nu. Aan een nuttig jaar, ergens hoort dat. Eru Galilei, Kassan Hasunar Shesu, Gavas Konyev, Jesus Shahokuk Suosuf Konyev, Samusin Hika, Marahonichua, Dov Konyev, Samusin Shinfiliatsun, Goyerusalem, Shinamakami Shal, Leshinyahate Dash, Yonsi, Nesheda Vashvata Tolo. Hier was een huil, gaan je waan koraal, een meisje raken, en die geestel zit er goed kapaas, skorwaai deed die licht, zit er wel soos gewoon klode, ach, ga je te mag maar gunje, en wanneer je gewoon te doen, en nader ontpen, het glaas hoortje, aan vrouw asje, en we schaap bijn je gillen, het talle hielen, het liest, en jongens in het halen. Perhaps I should change to English now. I am dealing presently with questions that are answered by Peter in relation to this wondrous and awesome event that he, with his fellow apostles, relates regarding the passion 
of the Lord and regarding the end of all things in the works of God's providence that the Lord himself is to return to this world to come again in his second advent as we call it that he is to come again into this world now I have, I have uh, indicated how this is testified to by the prophets some of the most ancient of the prophets testified to by the Lord Jesus Christ himself personally and uh, witnessed to by the apostles as men who had heard the same testimony uttered by angels from heaven on the occasion of the Lord's ascension up to glory they were told that the same Lord Jesus was to come again even as they had seen him ascending up into heaven now that I think establishes this fact clearly in our minds that the apostles uh, were men who not only uh, thought of the Lord as someone with a past history as it were in whose experience there had been great and glorious events for the salvation of men but as they thought of him they thought of one as it were who drew their attention to the future to a glorious time still awaiting this world when he was to reappear and that it was emphatically the self same Jesus with whom they had gone about in Galilee and Judea whom they knew to have been crucified on Calvary between two malefactors and whom they had seen after his resurrection and at the last ascending up into heaven that he was to reappear at the end of the world now Peter um, answers also this question for us that was a question relating to the confidence the certainty with which this truth is to be held it is not something vague or abstract or something that is left in the realm of doubt that is encompassed with clouds of doubt as to whether it, it, whether it, it has divine testimony to sustain it or not it is a truth like many other truths revealed concerning the passion of the Savior which leaves no room for question in the minds of those who believe that he is to come again that is the strength with which you and I tonight should hold to this as a fact of revelation God's prophets from the beginning Christ the eternal son of God the apostles whom he called and sent forth into the world angels from heaven have declared positively as positively as any truth of revelation has been revealed that Christ shall come again 
Now the question, when shall this be? When shall he come again? And some people have ventured to set dates for his coming again, despite the fact that the Lord Jesus himself confessed that the time of his return was unknown even to the Son of Man himself. Now we know that there is a sense in which nothing is unknown to him. That is, as God, all things are known to him perfectly from everlasting. There is nothing obscure to his divine and eternal mind. But it would appear that insofar as his human soul, his human knowledge, at least at that point in its experience was concerned, it was unrevealed to him. That is the explanation, that it was still at that point unrevealed to his finite human mind what date, what exact time it was when he should come again. We know that it is the same day as the day of judgment. We know from his own word that it is the same day as the day of the resurrection of all of saints and sinners. We know that it is a day when great events shall transpire such as have never occurred before. And it is folly on the part of men to disregard it or to treat it lightly or to live unconcernedly as to the events of that day merely on the basis that they have never yet been told what day it is. You know how men, we all can make excuses for our unbelief and for our doubts, for our indifference to the word of God and to the claims God makes upon us for one reason or another. We can find justification where no justification honestly lies in order to excuse our own indifference and spiritual sloth and you I hope will agree with me that the fact that the exact time the date of this glorious event the fact that it is withheld from us is no reason why we should live carelessly or indifferently to the demands it has upon us and then there is the question, why the delay in coming? Why is th this event not happening? And there again we have an example, surely, of the, 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 the sinfulness of our natures 
and the want of harmony, the discord between our spirits and the divine mind. Peter, in these very verses, tells us of those in his own generation who actually questioned of where is the promise of his coming. Men, perhaps, who were aware of the message preached by the apostles. People who knew that they went forth declaring the second advent of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they knew of men who were living Christian lives, praying daily for grace, for preparation for this solemn event and perhaps who were going about among their fellow men, witnessing to the Lord's first coming and his death and his coming again, and who seemed to be totally captivated by this message and passion, and yet he was not appearing. And they were asking, where is the promise of his coming? How can you claim that such an event is true? When time goes by, in the midst of all of these preparations and the concern of many about the event and their diligence in preparing for it, why is he not coming? Where is the promise of his coming? Now, Peter has an answer to those who disbelieve. Now, I suppose there is a difference to be, to be pointed out between people who have what is known in common language anyway as honest doubts. I believe there are people who are troubled in their minds regarding some truths of revelation, but who are of, who have within their heart uh, sympathy with scripture and with truth that makes them concerned about their own doubts and their own questionings and that leads them to desire to have light in order to be more fully convinced and persuaded of the truth and at the same time uh, there are those uh, of a different disposition uh, people who are in their hearts governed by hostility to the truth and consequently make a mockery of truth and to consider that those who humbly and simply receive the truth of God without question or doubt that they are simple-minded people, people who do not think for themselves and people who are themselves misled and misguided and who are guilty of misguiding other people too who come under their influence. There are many in every generation and the number naturally increases as the population of the world increases of those who are of that kind of inward disposition opposed positively to every truth of revelation and to some of them more than others. And you can well imagine it is so reasonable that if any man or woman 
or child wants to live according to their own desire and to be their own sort of master and uh, to enjoy what they consider to be pleasures in life without let or hindrance, nothing can be more offensive to such spirits than the very thought of the return of Christ into the world. And especially when that return is in order to judge the world. It is the very last piece of news or point of information that such a soul uh, wants to hear for a moment. They want to banish such thoughts totally out of their mind and that is the condition of the vast majority of souls in the world tonight that rather than receive with gladness the news that Christ shall come again into the world, their desire is to banish forever such thinking out of their own hearts and minds so that they shall be free to that extent at least to enjoy life as they choose to enjoy it. Peter answers first of all the Lord he says is not slack concerning his promise. That is what, what these people were asking. Where is the promise of his coming? If God has said he is coming, where is there any evidence that there is any truth in such a promise? Peter says, the Lord is not slack. He, he is so far as it were from telling an untruth of promising what shall not happen that he is not even slack concerning this promise there is no kind of uncertainty on the part of God as to the fact of the coming again of his son or the time of the coming of his son the Lord is not slack concerning his promise and he goes on to say positively that the same God who has declared that Christ shall come is long suffering to us word. this as it were continuation of things as they have been as you judge them to be a mere continuation of everything as they have been from the beginning is actually a revelation of the long suffering the mercy and the goodness of God not any reason for questioning his truthfulness or the certainty of the fulfillment of his promise it is long suffering to you who are disbelieving, doubting what he has said. God is, as it were, extending your opportunities for preparation for that event. That is one reason Peter gives why the promise is not yet fulfilled. 
he goes on to say that this Lord does not wish any to perish. What then does he wish? His wish is that all should come to repentance. That is what we have before us here tonight. When we are gathered in an assembly where the gospel of Christ is set before us, the way of salvation provided by God, we have before us a demonstration of the fact that whereas God would have been just in consigning every one of us to a lost eternity as soon as we came into being, he has preserved us in life and he has so ordered our providence that we gather around his word where he himself sets before us a way of mercy and salvation and offers a saviour to us without money and without price. How can you or I dare say that judgment is what God delights in and that mercy is what he detests that he delights rather in dealing solely in terms of justice with sinners for their sins and if he has mercy on any that it is reluctantly and grudgingly none even when all of mankind shall assemble in his presence on the judgment day not one soul shall be able to accuse God in these terms he is as Peter says not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance the seeming delay then in the fulfilling of this promise that Christ shall come again is actually not a delay but a revelation of the grace and mercy the patience of God with sinful rebels of mankind how will this day come how will this passion come we are told by Peter here that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. It shall happen not as a gradual process and we are all so keen, are we not, for great and solemn events, especially, oh, amongst all events, the event that shall seal the eternal destiny of every soul of man that it should come gradually that there would be many many evidences that it draws ever nearer in such a way that we would see his coming actually long before the event supposing it were to happen 20 years from now that there will be signs in the heavens of the presence 
the very presence of Christ, as it were, moving from heaven and drawing nearer to this world. Well, perhaps there are signs, but not of the kind that we would wish to see. The day of the Lord shall come as a thief in the night. He comes suddenly. I think a simple way to illustrate that aspect of the coming of the Lord is this. That it could happen while I am in the middle of a sentence trying to tell you that it has to happen. It could happen then before I had finished a sentence. It could happen and it will happen whenever the time has arrived when men are going about their normal interests and concerns. At a time when men shall be building and buying and selling and marrying and giving in marriage at a time when things in fact are going on as they were the day before and as they were the year before as they were in a sense centuries before when things appear to be more normal when none is looking to heaven except the few who are obedient to the Lord's exhortation to watch because they know not the day nor the hour. You notice how there are people because they know not they become increasingly watchful whereas the mass of people because they know not the time become more and more unwatchful more and more indifferent and careless other things draw their hearts and thoughts away from their encounter with Christ their judge because they know not the day nor the hour what will Christ do on that day? As I have already indicated, he shall judge the world at the last day. But we find here other events described to us by the apostle. He says that the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, that is by the word of the Lord himself, are kept in store, reserved, he says, unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition often godly men. He tells us, as I pointed out at the beginning, that the world is to be brought to an end with fire, with fire. Now the reason I mentioned 
the obsession of men at this present time with nuclear destruction is because of this very truth that there is a destruction awaiting the world of equal seriousness and indeed of greater seriousness it is not dependent upon the choice of any man ruler or subject king or president or prime minister or military commander it is dependent upon the will of the great god and creator and he has declared that destruction by fire is coming now the strange it is strange to me on the part of people who have the bible and who read their bible and especially if they claim to believe the bible how do you reconcile the one thing with the other this terrible all consuming fear of nuclear nuclear war and destruction and total indifference to what we know to be an inevitable destruction that has been foretold by god in his word and yet having no effect whatsoever on men's faith on men's behavior and actions and attitudes as long as they live in this world how do you reconcile these two well i feel that they are irreconcilable you cannot rationally reconcile them the only explanation surely for them is this that although you might claim to believe the word of god you do not truly believe it in the first instance the threat of nuclear war you are dealing with something regarding which you have no certainty it can happen it may not happen with regard to the other form of destruction it shall occur as surely as you exist and as surely as god exists the heavens shall pass we are told by peter when he has spoken about the long suffering of the lord and of the day of the lord coming as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat the earth also the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up nuclear war or no nuclear war the earth and the works that are therein shall be burned up and my exhortation to you is to let that truth grip your soul and
and influence your vision so that you shall live in the light of a fact, not a speculation, not a fear or a threat of something possible, but live in the light of an inevitable event that has been divinely revealed as an event that is under divine control and that shall be effected by divine power supposing there is no nuclear power in existence by that time this shall be put into effect destruction by fire of the earth and all the works that are therein now I had intended referring to several other things and especially to the question what instruction are we given as to our lives in the light of this glorious fact and I want to bring the service to a conclusion in a few moments the exhortations are plain on the face of scripture they have been read or heard by yourself so often some of you cannot even number the times that you have heard exhortations bearing upon your standing before God on this great and awful day the first exhortation that I would offer tonight to myself first and to you then is this that you believe this truth believe it and I venture to say again that when any soul of man truly believes this fact of revelation their belief inevitably will result in changes in their lives inevitably for instance you will become afraid afraid of what you will become afraid of sin I think any soul who lives in the light of the day of judgment Christ's second coming inevitably becomes afraid of sin people who live in that light cannot live in sin they cannot delight in the transgressing of any of God's commandments any who are found in that condition by Christ that is certain return to the world shall receive the wages of sin any who have died before his second coming in that condition loving sin a sin or any one particular sin shall be dealt with accordingly and he says that the wages of sin is death I think too and I am only giving out my own 
rational, simple thoughts as to what exhortations are necessary in the light of the truth before us tonight. I think if you are living in the light of the glory of the judgment day, you will seek salvation for your soul. You will seek deliverance from every deception, from every delusion, from every false refuge that can satisfy blinded sinners in this life. You want to escape from every false refuge, and you want to know the one way of escape from the wrath to come. And you will put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And have you ever thought of the wonder of this experience on the part of any sinner in this world? That a point has come in his life or her life when instead of regarding the judge who comes to judge themselves and all men at the last day with fear and dread and terror, they have come to put their trust in him, not in someone near to him or someone like to him, but they have come to place their trust in himself for their salvation. They receive and rest on Christ, their judge, alone for their salvation. He is not then a source of terror, but surely the one only source of comfort and of peace, yea, of joy and gladness in view of his coming again at the last day. You will want to seek grace, will you not? Do you not agree that such an one will daily seek grace to live to his glory, to grow, as Peter here says, in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. You will use every day and every opportunity. On Sabbath day and weekday, you will seek every opportunity in order to prepare for this solemn event and for your encounter personally with one who shall give to all of us according as we have done in the body whether our deeds 